So today I'm uh, I'm preaching from a position of humility. Um, today I'm preaching as a student. So everything that that we hear today isn't because I feel like I am the prime leader in this or the person that is going to, you know, show the way. Um, today I'm putting my my own things out there a little bit where I'm like, okay, this is not an area where I'm an expert in. And so today I'm sitting because it just makes more sense to do that. Um, this sermon series that we're starting today called Napkin Conversation is a sermon series that is challenging. It's challenging um, because it addresses a problem that exists in the church in Canada today. It's challenging because it addresses a lot of our assumptions about our faith. It's challenging because it addresses some of the core of what we believe. And so this sermon series is one that, that I have rewritten um, five times over the past couple of months. It's one that, I have, that I've carried a lot of um, prayer into. And it's one that I believe that God is going to use to strengthen and develop us as a church. And God is going to use to strengthen and develop me as well. Um, I am not ahead, but I am, I, am right, I am right with us. And so before I get to the text today, um, before, we, before we delve into one of the greatest problems, the church in Canada, <laughs> we're going to pray because praying is good. So Jesus, thank you so much that you are faithful. Thank you that you take us from where we are. You take us from our reality and you move us step by step towards the vision of what you have in place, the vision of what you have in store for the church. And God, we follow 2,000 years of church history. We follow 2,000 years of, of time since you walked here on earth, in body, with us. And, and God, we follow, we have traditions that we've built up. We have things that we put in front. We have lots of, of, of baggage and words and understanding and communication. And, and it's not just us, but our culture and our world has all of these baggages and all these things built up. And God, I just, today we take the baggage, we take the history, we take everything and we lay it at your feet and say, Jesus, we want you. We want you. We want, we want what you have in store. And Jesus, we pray that you, would, that you would meet us graciously where we are and allow us to see steps that move us forward. God, meet with us in these next few minutes as we talk about, uh, as we talk about your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So our scripture reference today is 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 5. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 
For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths as you also, or as for you also, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. The language is strong. The language is so strong here. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. Preach the word in season and out of season. See, what I see in that scripture today is it telling people about Jesus doing the work of the evangelist is not optional. It's not optional. The work, the world is going to get more challenging as time goes on. It says, for a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And this world right now, 21st century Canada, would be easily described as a world where people search out teachers that suit their own passions. It's a world where we pursue the idea of, I want to get what I want and I want to be supported by the people that are going to support me. And so we create what, what sociologists call echo chambers, where you tell a story and that story gets reverberated back to you so that you feel good about your story. And it just goes back and forth. And, and what you have is a continuous, a continuous line of teaching which tells you the world is one way and then the world echoes it back to you to self-affirm that you indeed are right. And we have multiple competing narratives that different people push into. People ser- search out teachers who tell them exactly what they want to hear just so they can feel better. And so the time is coming when, when people won't endure sound teaching, but they're going to, they're going to, it's going to become more challenging. So preach the word in season and out of season. I really want to be honest. I have been studying evangelism. I've been studying the topic of how do we share the gospel for over 10 years now. For over 10 years. And the one thing that I can tell you for sure is that sharing the gospel in Canada in, a, in an effective way is not happening very often. This is cross-denominationally. This is across the board in Canada. People are, are being disconnected from the basic story of our gospel, and we are struggling to share the gospel, to preach the word in season and out of season. We are struggling to do the work of the evangelist. In fact, in Canada, we no longer really have an office in the church of evangelist. We have a lead pastor who is expected to be the evangelist. And there's a lot of history in that. There's a lot of reason why that's there, and I can't get into it all. But currently, evangelism in Canada as a system is actually broken. And so this is a very challenging message, and it's one that, that I bring not because I think that we all need to do better, 
but because I think that God wants to show us a way that we are able to preach the word by the power of the Holy Spirit and actually do the work of an evangelist. So this is not meant to be a message about pressure, but a message that is um, that it's about encouraging. And so Mark 13.10 says, the gospel must be proclaimed to all the nations. It gives us a sense of urgency. The gospel must be proclaimed to all of the nations. Everywhere the gospel needs to go. It's got to be done this way because God says that he's actually going to wait. He's going to wait until it's proclaimed to every nation. And, and as we move forward in Canada, less and less is it being proclaimed in Canada. And so one of the questions that the series dives into is what is the gospel? Who's supposed to share it? How do you lead somebody to Jesus? And these questions are harder than we think they are. Because sharing our faith is hard. I'm just going to be honest, it's hard. And I think any person in this room right now can nod their heads with me and say, yup, it's hard. And so I want to acknowledge, I want to acknowledge the struggle. I want to acknowledge I am in the struggle. And I see it and we are a part of it. Now this is where we are and God wants to take us somewhere new. So when I was planting the church, Pastor Blake Davidson, who is the lead pastor at Willowdale Pentecostal Church, he's a great guy, um, he, had, he was talking to me, and we were meeting at 6 o'clock in the morning every Thursday morning, and he would, you know, get out of bed and show up, like, right at 6 o'clock, and I would be there at 6.03, and he would graciously buy me coffee, and, uh, and so we would have these conversations, and, and he said to me, he said, Rob, you're church planting. What's your napkin conversation? And I was like, <laughs> funny that you ask. And I went off on this long blah, blah, blah. And he goes, no, 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 no. How do you tell somebody about Jesus easily? And I was like, wow, okay, thanks. <laughs> awesome. And he showed me his napkin conversation and it was, and it was good. And, and I had one, but it wasn't the same. And it was good as well. And so today we're going to have this conversation about what's your napkin conversation. Another pastor said to me, he goes, we live at a time in history where sharing our faith is the hardest that it has ever been. And he said, we are moving towards the next generation where sharing their faith will be the hardest it has ever been. Unless God does something through us to change the course. Every year, every generation, it becomes harder and harder because what's happening is the church is segregating and protecting itself away from the world, and the world is pushing itself away from church, and so they become more and more divided in so many ideologies, and so they push away, and spirituality in the world's context gets pushed to something called um, the, uh, the, the personal, it, it's just, there it is. In terms of, of what we understand in the world, the, your religion, your spirituality is just individual. It's never meant to be shared outside of. And so culture continues to move that way. Yet, there is hope. There is hope. Culture actually 
desires something that we have. There is hope. And so today, as we move forward, we say, how do we do this? What are we going to do? You know, we need, to, we, we need to start to see the hope. So there's a couple of things that are happening in culture. One, people have preconceived ideas of God and religion. How many times have you had a conversation with, a, with somebody who doesn't go to church, and they hear that you go to church, and they all of a sudden stop swearing around you? Okay? And if you're honest, the first time you let a swear word slip around them, they look at you like God's going to shoot you dead because you're a Christian and you just swore. Has that ever happened to anybody except for me? No, it's just, okay, some of you that's happened too. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it's really interesting the way that people treat you differently, the way, that, the way that it happens. People have a preconceived idea of what God is and what religion is. Sociologists have told us, and many of us with university educations have heard this in first and second year university, have told us that religion is a construct ideally used to connect humans to the divine and it's dangerously used as a tool of power and corruption. Religion is dangerously used as a tool of power and corruption and that danger amplifies as soon as that religion is institutionalized. So you want to know why in Canadian culture, we have people who say, oh, well, religion is a personal thing. It's because we have a fear of the abuse of power that comes through the institution. And so that's happening. And that's part of the dynamic. That's part of the, part of the reason why we feel this unspoken pressure that speaking about our faith is wrong because we're very well aware of the concern and of the preconceived ideas that the world around us has. And so we learn at a very young age. Aaliyah was talking to me the other day, my, my daughter in grade two. She was talking about God and she got into a conversation at school with some of her peers and she learned at a very young age that there are things that you do not say. Not because anybody got her in trouble. Nobody got her in trouble. There was no oppression of freedom of speech. But culturally and socially, she picked up on the cues around her and she goes, I can't talk about that, Daddy. And I was like, why? And she goes, well, because that's not the way that it is and people don't believe that. And I was like, huh, okay. So my child in grade two struggles with the same thing that we all struggle with. Interesting. Culture has preconceived ideas of religion and God. See, we all are taught at some point in our life that all religions are the same. Every single religion. Every religion is the same. <laughs> because every religion seeks to connect the person to the divine in some way, shape, or form through many, many different structures and many different ideas and many different ideas of what the divine is. They all try to move a person into connection with a divine. And so then we go, oh, well, 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 well that can't be because Christianity is different. Well, yes, it is different, but we have to understand why so that we can start to address culture with where it is. So this little lecture sermon is an introduction on why and what we're talking about. So 
because everybody has a preconceived idea of religion that, oh, well, we're just all trying to get to God. It's all the same. We just love. And this is the culture's voice. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. And, and, and Christianity has a stark, offensive conclusion in it that says, that says oh, um, Jesus is the only way to God. Whew. Okay. So how do we get there? And how do we start to tell people the truth of Jesus? See, we as Christians, this is the second thing that I've, uh, that I've started to understand from about evangelism and because I experienced it and then I talked to many who also experience it. We as Christians struggle to understand truly how our faith works. Okay? Really, really simple point. Um, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? When you, when you just ask that question, it's, it's a little disarming because you're just like, um, Jesus? Something? Something about Jesus and a cross. You know, and, and honestly, some of us do much better with that, with that, but some of us struggle with that question. In Christianity, we struggle to understand how our faith works. How exactly does the blood of Jesus shed 2,000 years ago cleanse me from sin? How, how exactly does that work? I was asked that directly by one of my, one of my unchurched friends this week. How exactly does that work? Well, um, yeah, you know, um, and obviously that's not how I answered it, but that is one of, the, one of the challenges that exists. Why is Jesus the only way to God? I mean, religion's just trying to connect us to God. God is loving, so God should just accept everything, and it should just all be fine. It should all be a wash, right? Why is Jesus the only way to God? So the answer to these questions can be offensive. So when it comes down to it, how do I share my faith? Many Christians, sometimes me included, just simply say, I don't. Or, at least I don't with a lot of words. I try to show people that I'm a Christian because uh, the way I live. And so, one of the, one of the things that I want to tell you today is, is there was a point in my life where all I did was share my faith. Actually, I got kicked out of uh, Huron Heights for that. Not directly. I got kicked out of Huron Heights because I would sit in the cafeteria at Huron Heights sharing my faith with everybody, and I didn't go to class. So, again, they were just, they were right to kick me out, but, you know, I got kicked out. And, uh, and, and so I would just tell people about my faith. And, and what happened... As I would tell people about my faith, I got people to say a prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I, have been, I know that you came and died on a cross and forgave me for my sins. I pray that you would, that you would uh, come into my heart and guide my life forever and lead me into an eternal place with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I got lots of people to say that prayer. I did. It was wonderful. Man, people were just coming to Jesus. I remember getting on the phone to my cousin, being like, we're having a revival at Huron, right before they kicked me out. We're having a revival at Huron. 13 people said the prayer today. 13 people came to Jesus. I was so excited. 
those 13 people I actually have spoken to recently within like the past few couple of years, one of them came up to me and she said, you know, Rob, remember that day? And I was like, I remember that day. She goes, you scared the hell out of me. Well, because I used one of like evangelism explosions tools, which was a wonderful program if you've ever heard of it. And one of their tools was, was simple. It was, it was like this. It was, uh, where would you go if you were to step outside of the building you're in right now and get hit by a Mack truck? What would happen to you? Well, that was a good question because it just fired people all over the place. And, uh, and so this girl, I had told this girl when she was 13 years old, I had approached her with that question. Scared the hell right out of her. 20 years later, she's talking to me going like, I'm still terrified of God. I'm terrified of stepping outside sometimes because that Mack truck's coming for me. And I'm like, okay. Well, God didn't want us to be doing this by fear. So fear isn't exactly, well, maybe, okay. Trying to figure it out, right? So I stopped because I was like, I don't understand. I had to be honest. I didn't understand the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the power of God for the salvation of everybody who believes first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Or the Greek, if you read the ESV. So, so I'm not ashamed and I, and I was like, I'm not ashamed, but what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Okay, here's where we go. The gospel is this. Jesus is God with us. Five words. Jesus is God with us us. This gospel is built on what is called incarnation theology. The incarnation is when God becomes human. When God becomes human, he opens up a possibility for another human to have a genuine, loving relationship. When God becomes human, we are able to know God. And so this, this five-word example of what is the gospel can hopefully stick in your brains and stick in your hearts and stick in your minds because this is the truth that we discover in God's word, that Jesus is God with us. So we go back to our scripture reading, which says, I charge you in the presence of Jesus, who is the judge of the living and dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Jesus is God with us. Jesus starts with where people are. And so that's where, that's where we start. So I've got my napkin here. It's really big. And so this is where, this is where we start. And some of you can recognize the beginning of a navigator's um, position between human and divine. And, uh, and some of you have never seen that before. 
So we've got my whiteboard out here and we've got napkin conversation. And this was the challenge that Pastor Blake gave me. And this is the challenge that, that I give us. But I want to change it slightly because I believe that we have, to, we have the responsibility of meeting people where they are. When we are sharing our faith, it is so important that we do not start with Christian assumptions, but we start with non-Christian assumptions. And we've already gone through those. We've already gone through what are the non-Christian assumptions about the world and about God and about religion. And so we need to actually start with those type of conversations because we will never be able to be listened to unless we learn the art of listening and listening actively. So oftentimes in our relationships, we have moments in, time in the social context where, where vulnerability and conversation can actually go a level deeper than the superficial. And trust me, people love non-superficial conversation. They just don't know when to have it. And so when we start to recognize that the Holy Spirit's giving us an opportunity to say we can have a conversation, we start right here. You can start with a question, a very open question. How close are you to God? There's our entry question. It's a very simple question. How close are you? Are you to God or is God to you? Now, the reason it's really important is because God is left undefined. In that question, God is completely undefined. It's whatever you make of it. It's whatever you make of him or her or the being or the thing inside of you or whatever, wherever you place the divine. How close is God to you? Now, what you're going to hear back in response, there's a couple of things, is People are going to self-reveal. And I know because I have done this. People start telling me lots of things. Um, one of the things that I hear a lot from, I hear a lot about lightning. Okay? I am not close to God, and if God got close to me, I would be struck with lightning. I hear that a surprising amount of time. And I know as soon as I hear that, and you need to know this as well, that that person experiences guilt and experiences a sense, their preconceived idea of God is that they need to become better people to be accepted by God. That's their preconception. I need to obey these rules in order to be, to be accepted by God. So I'm listening for it. Lightning. I'm listening for the judgment idea. They also tell me, and they tell lots of people, oh, I'm, I'm close to God. Love. They think, they, they're just like, love, I'm close to God, we got love, we're good. So we hear that. I hear it when I'm just talking in conversations to people that, 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 God, is, that God is love and he's everywhere and so we all just feel God. And, and, and oftentimes associated with this one comes nature. Nature. I, I experience God in nature. I just go and I experience God. And I hear, I hear that. I hear um, a funny thing. I hear how messed up the world is. I hear that a lot, more recently, but I hear how messed up this world is. I hear like 
people wanting to wanting to see it made right. They want to see something put better. And so it's funny that when I ask a question about God, they actually sometimes reflect how messed up the world is. And so these are these are things I hear. I hear that I want to connect with God, so I try to be spiritual. And when you get into that, you actually start asking, what do you do? Well, I listen to music, or I meditate, or what this shows here is a desire to be close to God, a desire to connect with God. This is something that all humanity has. It's why we build religions. Remember, we want to take the human and make it connect with the divine. And so we have this desire. So what I do when I listen is I simply listen to these people. Because this person is telling me, no matter what variation of the story they're telling me, no matter what words that comes out of their mouth, they are correct. Because they are telling me the human side of the story. More accurately, they are telling me their side of the story. And their side of the story fits perfectly into the human side of the story. As soon as we can do that, as soon as we can get our minds around the fact that they are actually speaking truth, and we do not need to conflict and fight about nuances of truth or whatever. We simply say, that is your side of the story. And every religion falls into this. I want to reach God by obeying laws. I want to reach God by, by making sure I sacrifice this. I want to reach God by meditating. I want to reach God by whatever practice you want to do. I want to reach God is the cry of every human, every religion. I want to reach God. And every single one of them falls short, including Christianity. Every single one of them falls short, including Christianity. When I'm doing what I need to do to reach God, oh, I've just got to try harder. I've just got to be better. I've just got to give more. None of it gets you closer to God. You are human and you sit here. You sit trying to jump this divide in between God and the human. Now, that's our side of the story. That's our side. Let me tell you a better story. Let me tell you a story that since every single, every single so society in history has looked towards God. There has to be God's side of the story. To every story, there are two sides. There has to be God's side of the story. What is God's side of the story? Now, what if all of this is true? God also sees it as true. And he goes, he goes, guys, you can't attain to being me. You can't attain to becoming God or God-like. You are human. You were created human. You are not me. That's why you can't reach to become close to me. You can't get to me. Spinoza and all those other guys, they'd actually figured it out. That you can't get to me. Now, here is the hope. Guys, this is so important. 
Remember, I haven't said any of this. This is what everybody else is saying. Here's what I say. Here's God's side of the story. God has created a narrative for over 2,000 years that has said this. I am coming to you. I am coming to you. This divide is not, is not crossed by any other being other than the divine. God says, I am coming to you. And he is relentless in his pursuit. He is relentless in everything he does. He says, I'm coming to you. The first place he, we saw it was with, was with Abraham, where he said, go. He gave him a promise, said, go. And then we saw it again with Moses, where he's on a burning bush. He says, he says I'm going to free my people. And then we saw it with a tabernacle, where God, I can't spell it. Anyways, you get it. Where, where God says, where God says, I am going to live with you, among you. It is God coming to us. The whole thing that says that Christianity is different than every other religion is based on this, that God says, I'm coming to you. He does it in a tabernacle. He later on pr brings his presence, the glory of God. Look at this. Oh my gosh, I get so excited about this. This is so cool because all of a sudden we get to speak God's story. God says, uh, 1 Kings 8, 10 and 11 says, When the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord. God came to them so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the place. Guys, Christianity is not about what I do. It's not about how I try to bridge this divide. It's the truth that God is coming to us, and he has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God was able to be recognized because Jesus became human. So Jesus is God with us. Here is the gospel. And this is where my heart starts to pound more because God, who we could not reach no matter what we did, no matter what sacrifice we gave, no matter how much we tried to follow whatever laws were existing, we couldn't reach God. And God said, I know you can't reach me. I know you can't have a relationship with me and you can't get there but I can get there I can get to you and so God condescends and he comes to us as a person and he says you can have a relationship with me guys the good news <laughs> the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God the infinite and unknowable became human to be with us. And Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And he said that I am with you through hell and through high water. I will be with you. It's not because of what you did. It's because God who is infinite becomes finite for all eternity in the person of Jesus. And that's why I can answer the offensive question and say Jesus is the only way. Because Jesus is the only God who became human. There is no substitution for Jesus. There's no substitution. And so when we understand our gospel through a lens of God being human, we can start to speak hope into our world. Because God said, I am human, and I've come to make everything right. 
I have come to lead you in a new hope, in a new way. And the hope that we hold on to today is that the human, the God-man, Jesus Christ, is returning. He is going to return. And I am excited by that. I am impassioned by that. Because when we look at Jesus and we say this one man who God raised from the dead, he will return and he will make all things right. That is my hope. Devin, you can come on up. Guys, this is my hope. This is my prayer that we understand it. The gospel in five words is God with us. For God so loved the world, guys. God so loved the world and passionately made a way that he gave his only begotten son so that we could have relationship with him. That whoever believes in him, because Jesus is God, should not perish because they're with God and they will have eternal life. The choice is ours. We end our napkin conversation saying, where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself striving? Trying through whatever religious system you can to reach God? Trying through your own spirituality? Or do you find yourself believing that Jesus is God and he's made a way to us? When you get here, you truly connected with God. In the person of Jesus Christ, we see God and we see the sacrifice of what he looks like. Are you hearing about God's narrative for the first time? You ready to believe his promises? Where are you? And where is God? If you're ready to believe, ready to accept Jesus as God with us, I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you yourself are God with us. God, that no religion, no action that I take is ever going to do it. But God, we thank you that you are so gracious to come down to be one of us. That you truly do want to live with us. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you came from heaven to earth to show us the way. And on this little napkin conversation, God, I pray you would make us better listeners to hear the other person's story. And God, give us words to speak your story. Jesus is God with us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.